Hello and thank you for checking out this episode of the From the Frontline podcast. Each episode we'll be interviewing a key voice from the NHS or social care to discuss some of the key challenges and changes that impact the treatment and care we all receive. Throughout this podcast series we'll be answering some of the big questions which face health and social care today, such as why are there massive delays in A&E, how do we beat the NHS winter crisis, and how can we make the future of digital health accessible for all. We hope that you'll finish each episode knowing a little bit more about the major NHS headlines and what needs to change if we are to deliver the best possible care for everyone in the UK. From the Frontline podcast is brought to you by Healthcoms Consulting, who are part of the PLMR group. We hope you enjoy this episode. On today's episode, we are going to be talking all things primary care. Uh, We're delighted to have Nicole Atkinson from the Primary Care Network with us today. Uh, Nicole, before we get into the conversation, uh, it would be great to hear a little bit about yourself and your experience in this area. So um, thanks for having me. Um, And it's great to be able to sort of talk about primary care because I'm not sure it always gets the airtime that it it maybe um, requires, if I'm honest, if we're thinking about integrated care systems and then the future of health and care delivery. So um, I'm a GP. I've been a GP for over 20 years and I work up in Nottingham. Um, But I also work with something called the NHS Confederation, which is a membership organisation that supports sectors in, in the NHS. And we're particularly interested in supporting primary care, primary care at scale and primary care networks. And I think a lot of what we'll talk about today maybe sort of encompasses some of that. Absolutely. And I suppose when people like myself think about primary care, there's probably a vague understanding of what it might encompass. My primary thought goes towards GP surgeries, but I think for most of it, it probably doesn't go much further than that. So I suppose if you were describing primary care to someone, um, who potentially was coming just from that assumption that it is just GPs and nothing else. How would you go about describing it? Um, So I suppose when we talk about primary care services, really they're that kind of front door contact in in the health and care system. So they're the kind of front door to the NHS. And it's about where sort of over 95% of all patient contacts happen, which is, if you think about it, a phenomenal number of contacts every day. And like you say, for most people, they... um, would consider primary care to really represent their general practices. But in fact, there's much more to it than that. We're really talking about um, community pharmacy, optometry, um, dental, as well as audiology being that kind of family of primary care services. Um, I I wonder whether it might be worth us, um, though, focusing a little bit on um, general practice, because that has been something that has been um, very much in the news, not just during the pandemic, but more recently with our new Secretary of State talking about her plan for the NHS and certainly talking about um, a lot around sort of GP access. Um, And if I'm honest, um, I think most people don't realise that most general practices are actually um, small businesses that are owned by GP partners. So although they form part of the NHS, they are um, small businesses in their own right. And that really brings um, about um, opportunities and challenges, is what I would say. But but those practices are really there to um, provide general medical services to a defined population. Um, So most of them um, will cover somewhere between sort of um, 6,000 up to much larger practices, which are in the sort of 20, 30,000s. Again, what most people don't know is that... um, each practice is paid a fixed amount per year per patient. 
And that really doesn't matter um, how many times a patient comes to actually attend. So on average, it's about £155 per patient per year. Um, and so just to give you some sort of an example, we went back and had a look at some of our patients um, who attend more frequently and do have a patient who attended over 365 times in a year. So if you think about it, for each of those interactions, um, that, that practice, our practice was being paid about 40 pence per interaction. So if you think about it, that is quite a small amount of money. You can't even buy a chocolate bar for that nowadays. Um, but it does make, what I would say is it does make general practice one of the best value services um, in the NHS. But again, as small businesses brings with it um, quite a lot of challenges in how how do you manage to deliver that amount of care to that many patients with with such a sort of finance, finance kind of resources, really. Um, outside of sort of GP practices, what people are starting to find is that. Um, there's a lot of collaboration between practices and and wider sort of services, really. And that's kind of the precursor to sort of developing integrated care systems. Um, we've got things called GP federations, which are um, groups of practices working together to deliver at scale services. So, for example, you will have probably seen them deliver quite a number of COVID vaccinations during the pandemic. And um, a lot of them are delivering enhanced access services for um for sort of general practice appointments that are usually out of the traditional uh, gp hours and i think a lot of a lot of um the way things are going in the future will be practices working together not only to um help support their sustainability and resilience but but also because we know that there are economies of scale working at a much larger scale um and also to a degree they're able to offer more services than the than maybe the traditional practice was was originally offering. Um, the other thing that people may have heard about are primary care networks. And that really, we're now into sort of year three of primary care networks and they cover the whole of, of England really. And they are groups of practices which typically serve a population of sort of 30 to 50,000 and are delivering, again, a number of additional services. And at the moment, there are about 77 of those. For example, they're delivering enhanced care in care homes. Um, and again, they're delivering things like um, anticipatory care and um, other services that you might not see um, traditionally coming from your GP practice. Um, they have um, their, their, their good points and their bad points. I mean, what they have done has been a, a delivery vehicle to do things at scale. And they have also employed a number of additional roles, which, again, people may start to see within their general practices. So um, traditionally, we haven't necessarily had social prescribers, link workers, paramedics, community pharmacists, mental health practitioners working within practices. But primary care networks have been able to employ these through their collaborations and you're starting to see um, see them at the front line. So, again, that's really been the vehicle to start to deliver multidisciplinary team working in, in, in general practice and hopefully much wider into that kind of um, wider primary care landscape that we're talking about. So how do we start to look outside of those practice boundaries and really start to deliver that one team approach to MDT working across community pharmacy, optometry and dental. So that's kind of that's kind of step two of, of primary care networks, really. But just kind of keeping that kind of thread of actually, if you go from practice to primary care networks, you will go all the way up to systems because they're supposed to be the building blocks of integrated care systems. So they very much should be front and centre of the future of health and care systems. I suppose that um, 
might well uh, touch on one of the challenges that primary care is currently facing in terms of how it fits in with the ICSs and the structural changes currently going on in the NHS. You mentioned that um, GP services and primary care more broadly have received quite a lot of press and political attention over the last couple of months. From my reading of those conversations, those are particularly focused on uh, GP capacity more than anything in terms of the number of GPs, but also the number of appointments that are perceived to be available, rightly or wrongly, of the reality of the situation. I suppose just with that in mind, from your perspective and your experience on the front line of the current challenges that are facing primary care, if you were to identify those, I just wondered what you would highlight. Really. The, the, the challenges we're facing in primary care are very similar to what, what the rest of the health and care system is facing. Um, and if I'm honest, we were already sort of starting to see those before COVID, and I think COVID has just exacerbated them. So, so we're sort of in a in a in a in a worse position post COVID, really. Um, if you remember me saying earlier, sort of most um, primary care are small businesses, so um, you know to a certain degree, in order to kind of cope with the bumps that have come along the road of of the pandemic, they've they've got a, a lot less um, resilience than some of the much larger NHS organisations to really um, deal with those challenges as they go. Although that said, if I'm honest, um, primary care, I, I know there's been a lot of press about the doors were shut, but actually what they were asked to deliver on you know, on on the flip of a switch was to completely deliver redesign their sort of care delivery model, going with sort of um, digital and sort of triage first. So what we do know is that primary care is very um, well able to sort of innovate at pace, and I think that's something that we kind of f- tend to forget when we start to think about all the bad things that come with it, and maybe not focus on some of the things that they actually um, can do. I mean. Um, Access, uh, if I hear that phrase one more time, I mean, that, that seems to be the thing that, that that follows us around everywhere. And if I'm honest, um, you know, it does feature very heavily in the uh, new Secretary of State's plan. Um, but again, I think what we've got to say is around sort of GP access, there's no single magic bullet that's just going to suddenly solve this problem. It is simply a maths equation. The demand is too great for the current capacity. And it's, 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 it's as simple as that, really. Um, and I suppose what we have seen over the last few years is, you know, we've seen rising demand and, and the actual GP figures tally with that. If we look at the, if we look at the data, because rather than going on hearsay, if we actually look at the data over, over, you know, before the pandemic and now, GPs are actually delivering more appointments year on year than they have ever done. So, so we've tried to match that kind of demand, even though the capacity is, is falling. But I think that gap just seems to be getting um, bigger and bigger. And not only have we um, seen sort of rising demand, but we've also seen increasing complexity of need really and I think that's there's a variety of, of reasons for that we've got an aging population um, we've got increasing long-term conditions and I would also say um, that through Covid we saw the the impact on sort of mental health um, presentations increase um, and I think if you then add to that the um, rising cost of living and some of the socio-economic factors that we're starting to see come into play and actually you've got a you've got a perfect storm brewing or having brewed if I'm honest and I think that's why um, why we're sort of seeing some of the the the, the issues that we're seeing and I think um, you know add to that um, 
the, the leaves are changing on the trees. <laughs> Winter is coming and we will we will see um, more and more challenge on health and care systems as well as primary care, because we know that winter is a really difficult time um, for patients, but also um, for, for the healthcare system, really. Um, I think, you know, we can't not talk about workforce. There is a workforce crisis in primary care. And um, we have seen, I think, um, a lot of those additional roles coming into play, which are absolutely welcome and I do think um, are the future. But whether we like it or not, we have um, 1,857 fewer fully qualified full-time GPs um, than we had seven years ago. So if you do the maths, we're offering more appointments with significantly less GPs. And that's why you're seeing um, that kind of um, issue at that kind of front door. Um, I suppose the other thing I'd say is that um, morale is a big issue at the moment. And I think that is across the health and care system, really. I think people are really tired. Um, they have worked really, really hard. You know, most of us come into this job uh, because we do want to support our patients and our populations. But actually, um, they've had to live through COVID themselves. They've had to completely redesign the way that they deliver care. And, and actually, we haven't seen any let up in the pressures that have been being faced over the last few years. Summer really wasn't a summer. Usually we get a bit of uh, leeway, but actually we are playing catch up with a lot of the work that um, had to be stood down during COVID. I think the other thing that's really on people's minds is the cost of living crisis. Um, not just for practices, because actually there is there is um, quite a lot of concern about how practices are going to keep themselves heated with their lights on during during the next uh, few months. I think we did a rough calculation, and for most practices, most average practices, they're looking at a potentially a forty thousand uh, pound increase in their uh, you know just general overheads with with all of this. Which, given the fact that their margins are fairly small, you know they're having to make some really tough calls as to what that might look like going forward. But we also know that actually the patients and the populations that we serve are going to be facing increasingly tough times. And, you know, we are the front door to the NHS. And where do they come with with those issues? They come to see their GP. So I think we're going to have see that having a massive impact on on the presentations to general practice. So, you know, I think to a certain degree that we're a microcosm of the rest of the health and care system. But because of the way that we are constituted and because of the way we are funded it makes it much more difficult for us to achieve the things that people want us to do I mean I would love to be able to provide all the things that the patients want us to do but actually if you if you think about the challenges that we're facing that's why it's very tricky absolutely and I think just having an overview of those current challenges and the immediate challenges that primary care is facing is really helpful in terms of discussions that we have just informally I suppose around um, the use of GPs in our current NHS system but also politically as well and the support that is provided and is required. You mentioned a little bit earlier about how primary care is and should be the foundation stone for the way that ICSs are built uh, as the front door to the NHS as we've mentioned. I suppose looking a little bit further ahead as uh, ICSs develop from infancy through to adolescence, if you will, in terms of their organisational development. If you were to sort of set about an ideal situation for primary care in that development of integrated care systems uh, that would really support primary care to 
fulfill its potential in terms of meeting patient need. I just wonder what you would point to and what you would highlight. So I think, you know, as we'd sort of said, um, practices are the foundations and primary care networks are the building blocks. So if we kind of take that as the kind of golden thread running through integrated care systems, I suppose the first bit would be that that systems acknowledge that that is the case and that is true, um, because I'm not always sure that we're seeing that kind of um, mindset and way of thinking flowing through all the systems um, that are out there. So I think the first thing is, is that systems are really um, supportive and supporting of primary care as that kind of key enabler to, to the future of integrated care systems. And that kind of mutual, if, if integrated care systems are going to succeed, then actually we need to ensure that primary care is enabled and supported to succeed as well. Because, you know, if, if one's going to succeed and thrive, then the other one needs to be as well. Um, and I think some of it, you know, we've talked about the challenges um, that, that, that primary care is facing. Actually, although there is, um, there are national things that need to happen in order to um, help solve those challenges. Actually, there's quite a lot that integrated care systems can be doing to support and enable primary care to look at and to solve those problems themselves. So rather than waiting for somebody nationally to solve all the problems, there are some things that people can just um, roll up the sleeves and get on with locally, really. Um, and I suppose that's quite tricky because, you know, as I've just said, winter is coming and predominantly um, systems then focus on, you know, emergency care, elective backlogs. And so so to a, to a degree, a lot of their focus and attention is, is, is placed on that, which, of course, is right, because, you know, we need to be thinking about the whole rather than than small aliquots. But actually, at the same time as doing that, they need to be thinking about how do they start to build a much more um, future-proofed primary care system for their for, for their patients. Um, I think the other thing to say is is that um, you know th there has been a national piece of work looking at this. So Claire Fuller, who is an integrated care system chief exec, was. Um, tasked by Amanda Pritchard, who's the NHS England Chief Executive, to really um, deliver a report that was a stock take of where we're at of primary care in integrated care systems and think about what are the things that could be done across the board to really um, support primary care in the future and also build on that kind of premise of taking primary care networks from where they are now into the development of integrated neighbourhood working. So that, that's there. That came out at the beginning of the year um, and gives us a sort of roadmap for how we go about um, delivering and implementing integrated primary care across neighbourhoods. So, so, so really what we're asking uh, systems to do is to make sure that that doesn't just sit on a shelf somewhere, that actually um, that is a, a living, breathing document and people are really looking at it in their systems to say, okay, there's some really good stuff in there. How do we go about implementing this? Um, because most of what's in that report is happening somewhere in the country. It's nothing new. It's just that actually um, we're not necessarily giving it the focus and attention and the resourcing that it maybe requires in order to deliver on that. And I think the other bit is, is that 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 kind of working relationship between systems and primary care networks and practices is key, because what we know is, is that change and innovation is much best driven um, nearest to, to where it is, you know, being felt. So absolutely, rather than a very top down approach by systems saying this is how it's going to work, it should be um, primary care, primary care networks. Um, how are we going to support you um, and 
facilitate this change? What do you need in order to make this happen that we can provide rather than that kind of what has traditionally been a, a very sort of top down approach to, to change within our NHS? Absolutely. Nicole, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's been a really interesting conversation and it's one that no doubt we will continue to follow and continue to hear more about in the news that we read in the political conversations that are ongoing around the future of primary care. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the From the Frontlines podcast. If you have any thoughts about our conversation or would like to get involved in a future episode, please email fromthefrontline at healthcomsconsulting.co.uk. If you'd like to chat about our work as one of the UK's top health and social care public affairs agencies, please visit our website, healthcomsconsulting.co.uk. Thanks again for listening.